Welcome to another episode of the All Y'all Podcast presented by Holiday Lanes. I'm Chris J. And I'm Sarah Ebear. We're returning this week with a new episode from our most recent live storytelling event, I Fought the Law. During the second half of that event, we heard from three women who have all worked as public defenders in Louisiana. Public defenders are the folks who fulfill the part of the law that says everyone has a right to an attorney. They're the people who defend citizens who can't afford a high-powered attorney. In Louisiana, due to our fiscal budget crisis, our public defense system has all but crumbled. Most public defenders handle three or more times the caseload recommended by the state. We've linked to several news articles about the issue on our website at allyallblog.com. When attorney Sarah Smith was just starting out as a public defender in Caddo Parish, she took her first ever case to trial. Like many public defenders, Sarah was assigned this case. She didn't really have a choice in whether or not she took the case. And she tried her best to represent her client, despite the high-profile nature of the accused crime. Before we jump into Sarah's story, we want to remind you that this episode of the podcast, like every All Y'all podcast episode and live event, is brought to you by our season sponsor, Holiday Lanes. One of the best things about bowling is that it brings people together. Holiday Lanes can put together a special party package just for you and your awesome friends. One really cool way to celebrate is with an intergalactic, glow-in-the-dark Laney's Kids Club party. It's a glow-in-the-dark party with your own party host, a contest, and pizza. Man, now I want some pizza. Hey, Chris, on their website, bowlholidaylanes.com, it says that the birthday child gets a 32-ounce super sipper bowling pin bottle. Do you think that's only for kids or that I could get one too? You are officially too old to be called (laughs) the birthday child. (laughs) But as far as I'm concerned, you can have the super sipper pin bottle anytime. Just, I know, yeah, no birthday child. To book your party, visit bowlholidaylanes.com. We're also sponsored by MacCentric, the only locally owned Apple premium service provider in town. We recently visited with MacCentric head honcho Thomas Avalone to talk about Apple and why it seems to always be at the center of any creative person's toolkit. Yeah, I mean, I've always been very appreciative of the of that fact that we've sort of been at the the nexus of of creative endeavors in Shreveport Bossier, whether you're talking photographers or filmmakers or graphic designers or, you know, uh, musicians, they, they all typically have Apple computers and Apple products. So I think Steve Jobs used to say that Apple sort of lived at the corner of technology and liberal arts. So I, I've always sort of approached Maccentric and our customers with, with that in the back of my mind. So that, that's very true. So if you own a Mac or iPhone or other Apple product and need the best service available, reach out to Thomas and his team on their website, maccentric.net. Without further ado, this is Sarah Smith's story, which we are calling Benefit of the Doubt. My story starts with a story. Uh, In October of 2013, a news story broke out of Shreveport, Louisiana that quickly gained international attention. It was the story of Braveheart, the dog, a pit bull puppy who made a miraculous uh, recovery after having been abandoned in a storage unit for weeks without food or water. That was the story that got reported. I didn't hear that story because I don't really follow the local news much, Um, still don't, uh, partly because of the things I'm going to tell you in this story today. My involvement came in January of 2014, a few months later, when I first became a public defender. 
and I was assigned this case. And I, like Chris and Sarah hinted at, um, for those of you that may not know, when you are a public defender, you don't get to pick your cases. You don't get to say no. Uh, you're given a case, and, and you work on it to the best of your ability. And when I first got this case, not really knowing much about it, the first thing that happened is prosecutors and other attorneys came up to me and they were saying, oh, I'm so sorry. How are you ever going to do this? I feel really bad for you. And that made me very nervous. So I, I did the first thing that most of us do when we need more information about something. I went to my computer and I Googled uh, Braveheart Shreveport and I read the story and I saw the pictures and I had that same reaction. I was like, oh my gosh, how am I going to do this? And then I did the one thing that we should all know not to do when reading internet news articles. I started to read the comments. <laughs> and that made things even worse. <laughs> I read the things that people were saying about my client, this person that I was supposed to represent. Uh, calling him a thug, and other names that I won't repeat because my parents are sitting in the audience, <laughs> saying he deserves to die, he deserves to be tortured, he deserves the worst possible sentence imaginable. And that didn't sit well with me, to be completely honest with you. It didn't sit well with me. Not because I think that animal cruelty is okay. I don't want anybody to get the wrong impression. I mean, it is wrong to mistreat animals, and I agree with that. But the way some people feel about that, and it's the way some people feel about animal rights, that's the way I, at the time and still today, feel about our rights as, as human beings, our constitutional rights. I'm a firm believer in our United States Constitution and the right to due process, the right to a fair trial, the right to be presumed innocent until proven guilty. Yeah, y'all can clap for that. And that's when it hit me. I was like, that's how I'm going to do this. Because I believe in that, I'm going to do what it seems like no one else is willing to do right now. I'm going to give this guy the benefit of the doubt. And I'm going to test the evidence. So that's what I started to do. I started with that initial story. I started with the news reports. And I was looking at the, the evidence. You, typically, in these cases, you get a big discovery packet from the prosecutor. And I looked at all of this stuff. And, and I started to notice things that didn't seem quite right. For starters, the dog wasn't found in a storage unit at all. It was at a mechanic shop. Uh, for those of you that are from Shreveport and familiar with the area, it's a, the classic custom car garage at the intersection of Uri and Kings. I, at the time, I drove by there just about every day. I still do. Um, not a storage unit at all, a place of business that I learned people were milling about pretty much 24-7. I learned that, in fact, when the dog was found in that garage, not a storage unit, the lights were on, the radio was on, there was sawdust all over the floor and, and, and evidence of someone having been there working on this car. I learned that other people kept dogs there, that it was a common occurrence to see dogs running around this property. I learned from the official police reports, not from something I read online or from something that, that my client told me, but the actual report from the police officers that went to investigate the scene that there was food and there was water. 
and they took pictures of the bowls. And I started to ask myself, why, why didn't any, any of this stuff make the news? Why didn't any of this stuff pop up in the comments section? And that energized me even more because this case was going to trial. Um, I spent the better part of a year from January 2014 to January 2015 working on the case. And essentially, we were, we were forced to go to trial. What a lot of you may not know about our criminal justice system in Caddo Parish, something less than 10%, and I'm probably being very generous, it's probably closer to less than 5% of our criminal cases actually make it all the way to jury trial. A lot of them end up settling out or having plea deals prior to then. But this case in particular, because it gained such international attention, there were people from literally all over the world. I saw a letter from Australia from someone that they had written pleading to the judge presiding over this case, you know, no deals. We want this guy to get the harshest possible penalty available. And in talking with the judge that was presiding over this case, he disclosed to me one day that he actually got more letters about this case than any other case he'd ever presided over. We're talking about a guy who had presided over capital murder cases where people had killed babies and burned old ladies alive. But this case generated more letters and more attention than any other case he had ever presided over. And as Chris pointed out, it was my very first jury trial. So in addition to the struggles of being a young lawyer and dealing with my very first jury trial, I'm dealing with dodging news cameras on my way to and from my office and, and to and from the courthouse. But I was energized by my passion for this right to due process, this right to a fair trial, this right to be innocent until proven guilty. And I was excited because of all the things I learned in my investigations. I said, I'm going to prove them wrong. I'm going to, I'm going to show people that, that everything they believed about this case is wrong. And it, it was daunting. Um, because of all the attention, the sheriff's department was actually having to turn people away from the courthouse because there were just way too many people in there watching this case, watching to see what happened. I learned that there was uh, one woman there who had a blog and was blogging about the trial. Every day when we would recess, she would go home and write about what happened. And I, I, didn't, I didn't read the blog while the, the trial was going on, but I, I looked it up after the fact. And she picked up on that. She picked up on the things I was pointing out that had been wrong about the initial news story that everybody heard. And in her blog, she said, essentially, so what? What's the big deal? Well, for me, the big deal is what this story is about, about that right to due process, about the right to have a fair trial and be presumed innocent until proven guilty. Because what bothered me so much about it, when I talked to the potential jurors in this case, and, and every potential juror I've talked to since then, in fact, pretty much everybody I've ever talked to, we all agree that that's a very important right, the right to be presumed innocent until proven guilty. I, I would put it up there with freedom of speech or freedom of religion. It's the kind of right that if you think that one person deserves it, you have to think that all people deserve it. Yeah, everybody. <laughs> Thank you. Everybody from the guy selling CDs in a parking lot in Baton Rouge to the most heinous criminal imaginable, we all deserve that. Thank you. 
So we're all in agreement that it's important. It's a good thing that people have the right to be presumed innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Why is it then that we don't extend people that same right in the court of public opinion? Why do we sit behind our computer screens and write things like this? Sarah gave me permission to have notes for this in a segment we're calling Ordinary People Read Mean Tweets. <laughs> I started to wonder why is it that we have all these important constitutional protections in court, but in our everyday lives it's okay to sit behind a computer screen and write things like, I hope he gets the death penalty in prison. In any case, this asshole will probably die an early death from gang violence or a drug overdose. We're not talking about a hardened criminal here. We're talking about a young man who at the time was 31 years old, self-employed mechanic, and before this happened, prior to this, the only thing, the only thing was a ticket for loud music from 1997. This is not someone who deserves the death penalty. And if you disagree with me, I'm sorry, but, but you're wrong. <laughs> so that's how I did it, and that's why I did it. Ultimately, my client was charged with felony cruelty to animals, and the jury came back with what we call a responsive verdict of misdemeanor cruelty to animals. To put it in lay perspectives, the difference between the felony and the misdemeanor is, is essentially intent. It's, it's did you mean to do it? Were you intending to do something bad or, or was this just a, a case of simple neglect? And in the criminal justice world, we, we call that a win anytime the jury comes back with something less than what the person was initially charged with. I also call it a win because I got those six people on the jury to do what we're never going to get the people in the comments section to do, and that's give someone the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> and I'm just going to end it there. <laughs> Thank you all. Thanks to everybody who helped me on this case. You know who you are, and um, enjoy the rest of your night. <laughs>
And I, I said to him, I mean, I wish I could do this all the time and get paid for it. And he's like, Sarah, you, you can. There are jobs where people do that all the time and get paid for it. If you love it so much, why don't you just find one of those jobs? And that was the first time that it actually struck me that criminal defense could even be an option. And then that same judge got me uh, hooked up with the job at the public defender's office. He talked to someone there and found out that they had an opening and then got back in touch with me and said, hey, remember when you said you wanted to do this full time? Here's your chance. And it, it ended up being a significant pay cut. It ended up being a completely different world. No more fancy suits. No more. No more happy hours. I I did still have a nice office view from an even higher floor, uh, but with air conditioning that only sometimes worked, and when it did, it made horrible noises. And it was worth it. I think if I had to go back and make that choice over again, I'd, I'd do it every single time. So when we first met, you didn't want to be a lawyer. Oh, that's right. I didn't. When we first met, we were both in college. Yeah. And I think I, I wanted, I don't know. I don't know what I wanted to be. I wanted to be like a movie producer, rock star or something. I wanted to do something entertainment-wise. Maybe in radio or broadcasting or something like that. Is it weird to think, like, even when you decided to go to law school, is it, you know, is that the type of lawyer you thought you'd be? Oh, no, no. And if you remember, in fact, too, I took the LSAT, the law school interest exam, on a, on a bet. <laughs> the guy I was dating at the time bet me that he could do better than I could. And I'm, I've never been one to let a man tell me that he's better than me at anything. <laughs> Ask any guy I've ever dated. <laughs> so I was like, sure, let's go, let's do it. And I studied for the test. I think that's probably why I did so well on it, because there was really no pressure. Like in my mind, I was thinking, well, if I do well on this test, awesome, I won the bet. If I don't do well on it, I don't want to go to law school anyway. So why not? I ended up doing really well on it. Did you do better than him? No comment. <laughs> what do you think Sarah pre-LSAT will have to say about Sarah today? Oh, gosh. You're so boring. You wake up and you put a suit on every day. <laughs> I don't think so. I do have tattoos, which is something that Sarah pre-LSAT would appreciate. Um... I think Sarah Pre-Elsat could quite understand what I'm doing now. And this is this is actually something I was talking to somebody yesterday about, to that same person that was talking to me about the podcast. We also got to talking about the state of Shreveport and the racial tensions and the situation with so many people being at or close to the poverty line and thus having to rely on the public defender system. And I grew up in Shreveport. And all of these things have always been there that I can remember now. But it seems like growing up here, especially, I mean, I, I led a very privileged life by a lot of counts. Um, went to great schools, had parents who cared a lot about me and, you know, made sure I had everything that I needed. So stuff like that, racial tensions and class tensions, I don't think were even really on my radar until I started doing the work that I'm doing now. And it makes me wonder how many more people there are out there 
that just live in their own little bubbles and they only think about what's going on around them. They think, well, everything's fine for me. So why are all these other people complaining about their lives? And it makes me think like maybe if those people could just see like what it's really like for a poor person that's accused of a crime in this town, then maybe more people would care about the public defender funding shortage and our overcrowded prisons and the private prison industrial complex and all of these issues that, yeah, don't directly affect them, but they do indirectly affect them because they affect such a large portion of our population that it affects our whole economy and it it does affect everybody that lives here. We're excited to announce that our next live storytelling event, Haunted, will be held on Saturday, November 12th, 2016 at the Remington Suite Hotel in downtown Shreveport. Tickets are 15 bucks and they're on sale now at allyallblog.com. Every dollar raised from ticket sales will go directly to this year's Fit Into Award recipient, the Louisiana Association for the Blind. If you want to learn more about the Fit Into Award, like what the heck it is, for example, please visit our website, allyallblog.com, and read all about it. While you're there, pick up some tickets to Haunted. And a bit of news for Android users, the All Y'all podcast is now on the Google Play Store. So you can listen to the podcast basically on pretty much any app that streams audio. Just search for All Y'all on your podcast app of choice. Thanks for listening to another episode of the All Y'all podcast. If you'd like to keep up with updates from All Y'all, you can follow us on Twitter at All Y'all podcast or on Facebook. You can just search for All Y'all. Should I say something here? (laughs) No, it's okay. Okay. Bye. Bye.